All right, it is Thursday, July 21st, 2022. I'm Steven Sersky. Folks, thanks for joining me. This here is my uh, podcast. And today I have another guest with me, and it is Rachel Weiss. She is Rachel Weiss. Oh, goodness. Rachel Weiss. Uh, she is co-host of the Date Night China podcast based here in Beijing, China. And today we have some time to talk about uh, our own experiences in podcasting and living in China as expats. Uh, her podcast is going on uh, season three right now. And it's where she talks to not just expats, but also Chinese people and their experiences being single and being married and partnered up and everything uh, here in Beijing in Shanghai throughout the country and uh, it's very interesting to hear some of the different voices that are around there especially given that there are so many expats leaving the country as of late uh, she also has her own YouTube channel she's a vlogger you can find that on uh, YouTube, which is Rachel Meets China. That's how I actually first met her. So I first uh, encountered her works uh, was through her travel vlog. And today we talk a lot about what it's like to run uh, your own podcast, uh, some of the things that can, uh, the, the great things and the bad things, and then also what it's like to live uh, as an expat here in China at this time. And what are some of the things that we see are going to happen over the next uh, one, two, three, four years sort of thing. It's a good conversation. We did have a few a, a tech failures, uh, so you might hear some uh, clips and stuff like that. Uh, it might drop out, but it is uh, altogether unedited, full-length interview with Rachel Weiss. All right, folks, this is episode 31 of my podcast with Rachel Weiss. Hello. How's it going? Welcome. Good. Nice to meet you. Nice can to you meet hear me? you, too. Yes, I can hear you. Can you, uh, everything's awesome. okay? Audio and video? Everything's, everything's okay. Okay. What this is always an amazing surprise. What kind of headphones are you using? Actually, these are Nathan's. So this is what he uses for our, like, podcasting and stuff. And right. I was like, they seem to be pretty good. And they've got a good mic. So okay. <laughs> I don't actually know what kind they are. Oh, um, right. Yeah. That's because uh, they're, they're very prominent. That's, uh, they're huge. They, they, they look—they the look like studio headphones, so I'm guessing that that's yeah. what they are, basically. Yeah. Um, I was putting them on, and I was like, "Oh God, they're giant!" But <laughs> like, well, it's the—it's the, the new style these days. People, they—they uh, they are going for the big cans on the uh, the head for the headphones it's now. The it's the like, new it's thing. It's the Princess Leia kind of look, you know, coming back. <laughs> I like to use these ones because uh, I have to use headphones because uh, I don't know about your place, but I get like doors slamming and everything. So it's it's just it's a lot quieter and a lot easier to focus yeah. and focus when I have when I'm yes. plugged in. Um, but I'm uh, yeah, I tried using uh, power beats to record and headphones and everything, but they just weren't as good quality. So I went, I, you know, what? yeah, I'm just gonna have... and, and, you know, quality is, is important. So, you know what? <laughs> we'll do it. All right. Well, so today we have uh, Rachel Weiss at uh, Weiss. Weiss, Rachel Weiss, Weiss. Yes. Uh, with me today. Thank you very much for joining me. She's a fellow expat here in Beijing and prolific YouTuber and podcaster, I guess. Uh, and you've been here for what, eight or nine years or six years? How many? I can't even remember. Seven years, Seven but starting years. the eighth this summer. So right. it's crazy. Yeah. Okay. And uh, so you've been keeping busy uh, doing all sorts of things. I mean, it looks like you're pretty immersed in the Chinese culture. Uh, you've been able to travel quite a bit. Uh, so I actually encountered you on several social media channels, and then it was through WeChat, the Date Night China podcast WeChat. Um, you guys have a publication, like through the WeChat subscriptions or whatever. And I was like, Rachel Weiss, that, that's her. That's that girl. And so that's, uh, 
that's how I found you. Uh, welcome. That's Thanks for so taking the cool. time. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. I'm really excited to chat with you today. And it is so cool to see how many platforms that people are on and connect across. Like, there's so many people that are the same as well that you're like, oh, finally, we're connected on WeChat. But we know each other through all of these other things, Twitter, Instagram, all of that. The, you have, uh, I mean, you have several social media accounts. What would you say is like your, your main one that you use? Like, is it YouTube or is it uh, Instagram or what else? Actually, it's Instagram. I think yeah. it's just easier because it's more of a daily thing, whereas YouTube sometimes just takes so long for the editing and to get into the flow of doing longer videos, whereas Instagram now it's a bit easier with the reels or shorter videos or daily updates. So mainly, like mainly I use Instagram. I don't use YouTube as much anymore. I'm not as active there uh, because I just spend so much of my time doing everything for my Instagram or all the Date Night China stuff. That takes up a lot of time now. So I kind of have shifted my focus from YouTube, but I used to be more active there. Right. So why don't you give us a rundown of what you're doing here in China? Like I've, I've, I've touched on some of the, but I, I might be missing something here. So what is it that uh, brings you here? What, what, what keeps you here? What keeps you busy in your day-to-day -day life? Ooh, so many things. Um, so yeah, when I first came to China, um, you know, I was a teacher, but I was growing my own Instagram, my own YouTube, like you just mentioned, and my website. So I wrote about traveling in China, sharing my experiences in China. Uh, first, it was just a way to keep up with friends and family, show them, what am I doing in China? You know, I lived in a small city in Hunan province, so I was there for two years. Um, then I moved to Guangzhou, and then I moved to Beijing. So it was really a fun way to interact, show people what I was doing. Um, and then eventually I started growing it and kind of thinking, oh, how can I actually use this kind of in a business way? I was collaborating with like tour groups and travel brands, things like that, to show more of China to the West. I think there's always that misconception. There's all these stereotypes that I think people often have, as we all know. Um, and it was just a really fun way to also just show my travels and like, where am I going and what am I doing? Um, so I was really focused on my own platform, Rachel Meets China, uh, for many, many years. And that's something that I still do now. Uh, but like I've mentioned, my shift has kind of focused to, um, my focus has kind of shifted now to Date Night China. And so Date Night China is a media platform that Nathan and I, uh, my co-host started in 2019, uh, pre-pandemic time, never knew what was going to be coming next. Um, but I had been in Beijing for a while and started finding some communities, people to hang out in. And Nathan and I actually met at this bar called Cafe de la Poste. Were you here in Beijing? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, that classic uh, old French bar in Beijing. But we were just friends and we had a great time chatting. We ran into each other a few other times around Beijing, small social expat scene. Um, and we were just talking about dating and meeting people and the communities we find here. And then our, one of our friends kind of drunkenly stumbled over and was like, I have this love triangle going on. Let's talk about it. And <laughs> we were just joking and we were drinking as well. Like, this would be a great podcast idea. Let's talk about these stories. Um, and then we went to KTV and we're like, ah, let's forget about it. But the next morning I was like, Oh, I think that would actually be pretty cool. Um, so then so, we started doing so that. You're saying that alcohol helped you start your uh, uh, podcast? Crazy, right? Who knew? <laughs> the, uh, the, I mean, I wonder how many podcasts have started like that, actually, in terms of uh, I have this idea for a podcast. And then it's like, okay, next yeah. thing you know, you have six beers and you're, you have microphones everywhere. But uh, uh, but that's, yeah. uh, that's, that's pretty interesting, though, that you uh, – like it was – you didn't record that first conversation, did you? 
No, sadly, no. Okay. Wish. That'd have been great. Yeah. Uh, for the record. I, uh, I guess because I started, when did I start? 2020. I started podcasting and I was very reluctant. I was like, I don't want to do this. It's, it's, it was like, because it was one more thing that I was adding on to some of the other things. Like I was trying to blog a lot more, write a little bit more about my travels and stuff like that. But it was just like podcasting. It's like, now it's audio, but then I see people doing video and audio. I'm like, this is just, I, I know the rabbit hole that you can go down. But uh, totally. I remember there was one girl who was just like, yeah, you know, you sound like my colleague who's like always talking about starting a podcast and he never did. I'm like, ah, okay, I got to start it. Uh, then it's like, <laughs> I've just been called out. <laughs> yeah, you're like, I'm not that guy. Okay, yeah, not, <laughs> I hope you're not talking about me in t- a code word or something. But uh, so you guys have been going on with the uh, Date Night uh, China podcast. Which I mean, I, I is actually a very relevant and useful uh, podcast and uh, website as well because you guys have a lot of articles that you publish. Um, what has been your focus a lot with that podcast? Um, I think it's definitely shifted and changed as we've done done it further. I mean, because in the beginning when we started it, we were single. Nathan and I were single. We were dating. We were bringing and focusing more on kind of the single dating experiences and it was a bit more expat centric as well i think that's what we were really interested in what has been like for expat dating here but then we were like no we need we're in china let's expand have chinese voices international voices from all over um and then even further than that nathan and i started dating like five months into the podcast so (laughs) yeah we were like well talk about our relationship or tell stories about dating, people are obviously going to know, like, that's a story about Nathan, that's a story about Rachel, that would get kind of boring. And we were interested in, like, having a relationship podcast. Like, I still want to talk to different people about their experiences. I want to hear what they're doing. And it's not just, like, singles dating either. Um, We've really tried to focus more on intercultural couples, intercultural relationships, um, and all kinds of things with, um, you know, even... Yesterday, we recorded two podcast episodes. One was a polyamorous couple, and one was uh, a guy in the, the queer community of Beijing. So we've really tried to di- like diversify the focus um, because it's just such a giant group of people here from all different backgrounds and experiences. You have uh, you, you have an eclectic mix. It's actually uh, it's actually kind of refreshing to see that you're able to pull from so many different sources and talk about it. Is there any other podcast like it in in China that you've come across? Uh, that uh, I I don't know if there uh, is. I would imagine that Shanghai would have something just because that's what. Shanghai yeah. Yeah, you know we've definitely done a lot of like research and checking what's out there, and also like I'm just curious as well. I listen to other China podcasts. And it seems like they're kind of either focused more like Sinica podcast. It's really great, but it's kind of more from the politics, geopolitical, economic kind of point of view. Um, and then you have other really good ones. There's one called Middle Earth Podcast, where it interviews people in all kinds of sectors and fields and industries. And I guess we're trying to <laughs> we're trying to just keep the more social and um, interesting personal stories, human connections. Yeah. Uh, so if there's something else like that, I'd love to hear it because I'd, I'd love to know what else is out there, what other stories are being told. Um, but I think we've also tried to elevate a little bit. We used to be really uh, casual with it, and it was the drinking. We'd have bottles of wine with the guests. And it was so fun, though. But I think we also realized we both work in media, and we uh, we wanted to keep it uh, a little bit more professional. Not totally formal, but we were like, okay, let's <laughs> elevate. 
let's get microphones, let's take this a bit more seriously um, and still have fun with it, but tell these kind of personal stories from people. Yeah, I've uh, I've stopped drinking during podcast recordings. I have found, uh, there, I actually have a couple podcasts. There's another, a daily podcast I do. That one can happen after oh, wow. a few beers, but um, I try not to anymore because I have You found, have like a limit now? Two beers, well, that's it. Before 6 p.m., yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but... Uh, I have found that in terms of quality, uh, not just like um, my thinking, but then also my, my voice. I don't know about how you and uh, your partner, Nathan, deal with the, the smacking, but I have found that if I drink, that happens so much more. And it, it drives me crazy when I'm listening back to some of my podcasts going, ah, oh, you can't. And I think to, to people, people are hearing that in their ears. I go, because I'm very sensitive to that as well. But yeah, I had to stop drinking. I, I don't drink during podcasts anymore. So having this during the day, 11 o'clock, great, awesome, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Now I'm like, just on coffee. So just coffee is like much better than the alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, But you have had, you, you have a different format to your podcast. You're in season three. So what's yeah. your what's your setup how do you run your podcast um s scheduling mm. yeah so we we try to stay consistent with a weekly podcast you know and of course we try to we sometimes do a backlog try to record a few two in a week three in a week um to try to get ahead or planning wise it's hard though like because <laughs> also we have we have life going on as well and you know with our own work jobs with our own extra projects and other things that we do. And we both know like in, in next month, at the end of next month, we both might be traveling. And so oh. we know, oh gosh, that's gonna take some time away from our scheduling and from our, our planning. And um, you know, we, we also really like to have our guests in person. If we, sometimes we'll have two or three people on for like a dialogue round table kind of discussion. Um, but we also know, okay, we'll do Zoom as well for those not in Beijing. You kind of have to be flexible depending on what we've got lined up. Um, and it's changed as well. We used to kind of segment the show a bit and try to like break it down into different parts or do like a fun speed dating question round just to get to know the guests really fast or kind of games at the end. We've really done a lot with the formatting and tweaking it. And now we kind of just keep it as one long free flow conversation, uh, minimal editing. And uh, it's really just more about the guests and the stories that they get. Minimal editing is uh, this podcast. Uh is all unedited. I can't, was, <laughs> it was one of my fears about starting a podcast was like, I do not want to sit there editing. Cause I heard like, I guess prior to like Joe Rogan becoming super famous, it was like people would sit down and edit their, their podcasts and almost, almost change. It was like a news anchor basically changing the story. But I mean, yeah, unediting, yeah. it's just publish yeah. it. Uh, it's just yes. talk, record, publish <laughs> in yeah, that order put it, put it out there put it out there and that's what we like to tell our guests as well we're like okay there is going to be minimal editing of course if you're uncomfortable with something later but we really love it when it's just easy because it can take so much time and you're already planning the next things and you're in get you know pre-projection and planning and oh my gosh it could eat up like your whole week if you're trying to edit so much so i i totally understand that how, yeah. how does your planning go for podcasts and uh, and for that kind of stuff this podcast is whenever I have time and whenever I can find someone who also has time uh, because this one is the extended conversation format where I just kind of, uh, I talk to fellow expats, I talk to friends and people that I've known for years um, and it's just free, free form, free going. 
Um, but uh, in, I, I do run it through Logic Pro afterwards and fix it up because I have like I have a fan going to keep me cool right now. You might have air conditioning. I don't. Uh, it's a I do, but it's a oh. horrible energy sucker of an air conditioner. Bless so I, your heart. Yeah, so it's I I, I just wow. have one fan, so I try to kill the the background noise and stuff like that, and that's the only thing yeah. I do. Uh, other than that, I mean, very minimal editing, uh, planning. Like uh, I've uh, usually it's whoever I meet and people I see that are doing stuff and producing stuff, uh, and typically if they have a website, they're they're pretty open to uh, talking and stuff like that. So, um, yeah. but uh, then I, I do have another podcast, which is just me using my phone, and it's like. 20 minutes yik yak today's how what i did today in beijing wow. that's it wow how long have you been doing that that's been a year and that one went that one went from one minute because it was meant to be uh one of these like just very quick rundowns and then it grew i kept on talking about i don't know dumb shit or whatever about life, and I talk a lot. Of, I talk a lot about uh, working out, uh, my struggles learning Chinese, and what's going on in Beijing. Um, and I do that for a couple of reasons. Because one, I want a record of the times as they are, and I know that people overseas listen to it, and I want them to have sort of that on the ground um, experience, that daily sort of exposure to what's uh, what's going on in Beijing. But that's been going on for a year, so and I try to cap it at wow. twenty minutes per day, Monday to Friday, and that's it. Uh, but this one, this wow. big podcast is, I mean, it's been. I think the last episode I recorded was in February or March. I can't remember, but I treat it more wow. like a live show because it's it's just easier that way. I find so. Yes, totally. But that's with, cool though. You have kind of two different dynamics. Like that's really nice. The I don't know, like, because your your podcast, it seemed like you actually had a goal <laughs> you had a, an actual idea that was useful and could be um would have an audience right away mine was a little bit more eh, all over the place but i was try I, I wanted to try different things that was that was yeah my, my sometimes those are the best ones too though because you're just excited to do something and then it's just you know it's fun and that's what's really cool and you those tend to find audiences as well they're just like what's this guy doing in china you know <laughs> What's he talking about now? Yeah, um, what's this? Do you guys ever, because I, I know that uh, with YouTube, it can be doing video. I was thinking about going more into live video. So it's like you're recording the podcast and recording live video at the mm. same time. Have you guys thought about moving that way? Because I know with your, your travel stuff, that seemed like it yeah. was all very nice and polished and edited and stuff like that. But that stuff takes time yeah. to make. Yeah, I think that's a, yeah, that's a difficult thing. Is like, I know from YouTube, uh, we're both, so we both do editing and video. Like my partner, Nathan, uh, sorry, my, my WeChat keeps dinging. Can you hear that? No. Oh, great. Okay. I was like, ah. um, so yeah, so we both do video and um, media. That's kind of what we do full time. So we know the kind of time it takes to do all of that. And Nathan is even more serious about video and editing. He does all the tech stuff actually. So I don't really do that side of it for the podcast. Um, because he's got a, a 10 years of film experience back home in the UK before coming to China. Um, and so we kind of did a lot of thinking before this season of Date Night China, because before we had just been doing audio, we hadn't started doing any videos, but that was like my big goal. I was like, I want to do video interviews with people because you see channels, you know, like Asian Boss or Vice, kind of people on the ground, 
Uh, even here, there's a channel called Why China, and they're just doing street interviews and San Latin downtown. And I love the people face-to-face -face interaction. I love that you can kind of see their expressions and hear them talking about it. It just kind of adds even more. But we really were debating, like, should we film every podcast episode like we were talking about before? It would take so much time and effort to edit and to go through and to, to upload. Like, it would be so much. So then we decided, well, let's do video, but let's make it a little bit more distinct and bite-sized pieces. Let's get people yeah. in. We have people over to our place and we have a green screen that we set up. So Nathan kind of takes care of all of that. And we just ask them, you know, one person might answer 20 different questions about life in China, dating. We really customize it depending on their personal experiences, if they're married, if they're, um, you know, whatnot. Um, and then we'll kind of cut each of those answers up and combine them with other people talking about that same question, um, kind of in a cut style or jubilee. Uh, I don't know. There's a lot of channels. I did a lot of, a lot of research because like, oh, there's, there's so many great stories in China and it's hard to capture them all. And the podcast is great for long form discussion, but how can we kind of showcase a lot of more international and Chinese people into some videos? So we've kind of limited it that way though, because we have to be really realistic about our time, our energy, our resources, because we've both been burned out before with Date Night China. Like that happened last year because we were also running events at the same time. Uh, we were doing articles. We were trying to get guest collaborations, media collaborations, doing one or two events every month. It was exhausting and it wasn't even our <laughs> full-time job. So we've had to scale back a bit and be really realistic about what can we handle? What can we do, but still keep kind of our passion and excitement for it going. Uh, I, what type of video format are you shooting in? Are you shooting 4K, 5K, 8K, or just 1080p? Do you know? Ooh, I'd have to ask Nathan. I think it's 4K. Okay. He really, I do, I am really hands off with that side of it. For my own videos and stuff, I'll try to shoot in 4K. Right. Um, but yeah. Uh, the only reason I ask is uh, it was a very rude awakening. Um, I'd been, I'd been doing film for a while, but I had never shot at 4K for extended periods of time. And I didn't realize there's a huge difference between what, how long it takes to export a five minute 4K clip and then a two hour conversation. I was like, okay, video is going to wait. <laughs> it's just going to. Yes. It's so much. Oh my God. It's so much to process and export. And oh, it's a and lot. If you only have one computer, because I only have like my one, my main device, it's like, then you lock it up for exporting. It's like, if you're trying to do anything else, like God forbid you want to. Thankfully we have cell phones and other cheap devices, but yeah. Video just sucks up everything. That's why I was kind of hoping just so to much. do live video or just shoot it and put it up, I, I whatever yeah. sort of thing. Yeah, um, live is nice as well because, like, once it's done, it's done, it's up, it's great. Yeah. Do you ever uh, have any concerns about what people might say? Because uh, I know like, when people hear that I'm in China, uh, the immediate thought is, like, to start talking about politics. But I've always been able to sort of, like, get away from that. Has, has there been times when you're kind of like, okay, we're not going in that direction. We have to sort of stay on topic more about what our, this podcast is about. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, I, I think, well, to be honest, honestly, like less so than with date night China more so with my own personal platform, yeah. which kind of makes sense because when you have somebody saying, I enjoy traveling China, there's always going to be somebody saying, why x y and z this is why this is you know you do have the people who want to throw politics and have that discussion when that's not the focus that's not your niche or your brand um i guess with date night china it's really interesting we don't have so many people coming at us and saying 
why aren't you discussing the politics? Why aren't you discussing this? Um, if anything, it's just interesting. We see people in our WeChat groups get into debates, not about politics, that's not allowed in the group, but they get into debates about all kinds of other things as people are, are want to do. Um, so it's less so about politics and it's more so like you really see how people from all these different cultural backgrounds are thinking differently about dating, about dating rules and etiquette and relationships. And they all have different humor levels. They all have different backgrounds for everything. And somebody might get offended super fast. Somebody else says, even though that person didn't mean it or they didn't say it the right way, maybe English isn't their first language. So we more so manage those kind of right. um, fiery interactions rather than the politics side for Date Night China. I think when I first joined uh, your WeChat group there. Uh, the, oh, yeah, the, you're in it. The, one of the Which first conversations. Uh, number five. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. uh, is that, I mean, how many do you have? Because I was going date nature for oh. five. I'm like, how many? So that means you have like four other groups that are topped out at 500 or what happens here? Well, so we've, yeah, that's, we've only have five groups now. We were kind of growing for a while quickly. Uh, only five. <laughs> only five. That's a lot. Oh my gosh. Being a group admin, it's really hard sometimes. But like we have one group specifically for Shanghai. And then we have four others that are kind of mixed with people from from all over. Because as we were just growing, we we're just like, there's interests. We ought to just we didn't have time to really categorize it or plan it out so much in advance. We would just create a new one as they as they filled up. Or if one was approaching like 475, 480, it just became easier when we had, you know, 20 extra people interested rather than maxing out the group. Let's start a new one, get the word out about it. Um, and it's also a great way, like we've done partnerships and media things. People like to it's like if you're looking at the business side of it and marketing deals and things like that, we've had people who um, want to collaborate with us, you know, depending on the number of WeChat account followers, depending on the number of groups you have, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so that was from the business side, an interesting way to work with it. But we, we really just spend a lot of time creating group rules, moderating group chat. Um, and I've also had to like learn to balance that with my own time though, because you could spend so much time getting sucked into that. So yeah. try to take a step back. I don't know. what. When did you join the group? Have you seen some two, of the interesting ago, chat? Two or three months okay. ago, I think. Uh, there was, uh, well, there's one guy who, I think it's in the Date Night Channel. Uh, yeah, it must be. Uh, he keeps on posting these videos that are very um, ethnically or racially, obviously motivated to rile people up. And, yeah. And it's it's gone both ways, like both from a Chinese source and from an English source. And I remember looking at this group going, why did I join this? I don't want to see this. <laughs> Cause like, I mean, as I've gotten older, I've sort of stopped going out so much. I've become just a, an old man who sits at home all the time, which I'm fine with because here I work from home too nowadays. Uh, but it's like, I don't, I don't mill about in those circles. And if I have any, even a, a, a glancing conversation about that stuff it just becomes like ah, i don't you know there's other things to talk about other than the obvious yes. shit posting that's going on sometimes for a lot of times right yes. so yeah, and I, I, like it's, it's like twitter uh, twitter is full of just trolls and everything and it's it's it's, it's kind of almost disheartening in a way to see it that a lot of yeah. the social media stuff is being used that way and to see it happen in wechat i'm like ah, ah. Yeah, you're I, but, like not here too. Yeah, it happened. Also, there's a another group I'm part of that they were looking for voice actors, and the, oh, the company was I'm, looking I'm, for. Are you in that group as well? The, the yes. Okay. Yes, there was a big blow up that day, right? It was about 
Let's the stereotypical it. Spanish gangster or something like that. And yes. I was just like, okay. Somebody yep. was, yeah, they were like, why are they always the bad guys? Yeah. But, and you know, but because I've studied filmmaking and it's like, if you had a bad guy who wasn't a bad guy, how would you know he's a bad guy? Then it, then it seems like this, they didn't know how they were writing the script. And it's like, okay, that's just a bad movie. They didn't know what they're doing. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. You got to, I guess bad guys have a certain stereotype and sometimes they come from some places. Sometimes they come from other places. It depends on what you're doing with yeah. the film. But yeah, so there was those yeah. two blowups in both groups. I was just like, yes. And you were just like, I'm <laughs> off. I'm getting out. Um, how has it been with your guests? Because uh, like with the podcast you have so far, it's three seasons. Uh, you're doing uh, lots of, you're talking to lots of Chinese and foreigners. What has been sort of some of the things that you've seen and heard that are so sort of the important things with uh, that your podcast has been able to teach you about people here in China, the expat community in China? Oof, yeah, so many things. I think, especially since we refocused from kind of a single stories and you know fun dating stories. I mean, that was the base level is like showing, oh wow, we all have these relatable experiences. You know, you're not alone. Dating can be hard. Um, those were kind of the, the baseline things to go from and how to create a positive experience talking about those things. Um, but since we've expanded to even more guests, I think it's a fun self-education for me and for Nathan. Like we had one of our first episodes this season was with uh, three Chinese girls that we had recently like become friends with. They had mutual friends in common. And uh, I was just kind of throwing this idea around. I was like, oh, we hadn't really we haven't really dived deeper into some of these stories with Chinese women. What are they thinking? Especially they're mostly internationally women who have traveled abroad or they speak English, they work at international companies. Like what do they feel about things? And I think it was just really cool to sit down and have three of them share their experiences and give space for their voices to talk about that kind of thing. And not just from the, the usual, like, well, I think Chinese women are like this, or, you know, I think it's very easily, um, it's easy to generalize things. And that's what we see in the groups a lot. It's very easy to generalize based on one experience that you've had or what you hear from other people. Um, so it's really cool to kind of challenge that and actually just hear, oh, we're all very individuals, uh, individualistic as well. Like one girl was saying, like, she's like, I don't really see why these stereotypes and, and everything. I, I judge a person not like basically from their country, but like how they are individually. Like, um, and that was just a really cool thing to hear. Um, we've done other episodes as well. Like recently we did a big collaboration project for LGBTQ voices across China. We had people from all over China send audio clips and video clips in because we realized, you know, we're kind of limited if we only do Beijing. There's so much more going on in China. And so that was a really cool project to get people from big cities, small cities all over to share their experiences and, and put those together in a more collaborative way. I think we also realized Nathan and I are two white people, straight white people. And it's hard to like, you interject yourself and you're like, I can't tell your story and I shouldn't. So how can we create space for other stories and other perspectives and viewpoints that aren't us at all? Um, and how do we do that without over interjecting ourselves into it, but by still, you know, showing that we are happy to support. Um, so I think that's what, something we've been thinking a lot about the season. Not always perfect, still trying and trying to, to do more. Um, but it's been it's been really cool. It's been really cool. Has the response been the same from expats and from Chinese people to your your podcast? Yeah, actually, I think so. I mean, because it is an English podcast, we do it's it's mostly the international Chinese people who find it. Um, 
we've had a lot of good feedback, especially there's a few guys, Chinese guys, who are very consistent listening to our podcast. And it was really nice, the feedback we got, we've recently interviewed some intercultural couples. Um, and we were kind of focusing on Western women dating Asian men. And we were kind of focused on some of the stereotypes that Asian men receive. And I think they were kind of excited to see, oh, like, look at this kind of relationship. You kind of hear Western women don't date Asian men or they don't this or that, or Asian men are like this in the media. And I think it was really cool to kind of show them, oh no, we're, we're open to talking about these things. Not all stereotypes are like that. Not all women are like that. Um, so I think we, yeah, we've had a growing Chinese interest as well. And even in our events, I think, honestly, we've had a lot of Chinese people really excited to uh, take part in international events because many of them were overseas and they're looking for more of an international uh, connection. So yeah, yeah it's been a pretty, pretty good response. I, I just I wonder if there's any other podcast like this in Chinese that uh, they would be able to find only because it's like uh, the I remember when I, I I have a girlfriend now but I remember when I was dating and some of the people you'd meet you're just like wow they it's like stepping back in time with some of the viewpoints that they had uh, and that was like a few years ago already but in terms of even the guys like you talk to some of the Chinese guys and you're like does that work? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, uh, yeah. So it's it's good that you have like that you've created this resource for a lot of people, uh, and not just singles, but for couples. One of the reasons I joined it was actually for date ideas, so that you know, yeah. as COVID yeah. was ending, just uh, what are other people doing? Like, other than sitting at home staring at each other, I mean, what else do yes. other people do? Yeah, totally. Like what else is out there doing date ideas and sharing those stories? Yeah, it's been really nice. Uh, what's in terms of going forward for your podcast, what would you uh, see happening? Because you're, you're talking about doing videos on the street, but that sounds more like it's going to be like newsy type stuff more than dating I, or, or date night podcast. I mean, where's the direction for the podcast itself, you think? Yeah, so I mean, the podcast itself, I think we still have more guests and more ideas for what topics we want to cover. So we'll continue doing that on a weekly format. Um, I think it's, yeah, it is for the video that we have kind of bigger ideas because we have released, I think two, we have three ready to go. They were just getting subtitles ready because we want to do, you know, English, Chinese subtitles. That takes a long time. Um, so it's really just a process to prepare all of that stuff. And, uh, but we mostly have been doing the green screen videos. So we actually have a backlog now of, like lots of interviews with people that we've already done right. and it's just finding the time with the scheduling to release those videos um i mean realistically i still have big hopes that it would be more consistent with how we can push out content um but sometimes you know you get into that marketing media mode and under like growing a channel is so hard and i went through all of that with my own channels and you just know what it takes to have to push it to get more people looking at it and um to get it out there because it's one thing you, you work so hard on this content and, and planning and preparing these conversations. Um, and you want people to see it. You want people to hear it and listen to it and, and talk about these things. Um, so I don't know, I kind of weigh all of those things in my mind sometimes, but the most important thing is, is the conversations that you get to have with people, whether it's, you know, a lot of people that listen or, you know, just a few. Was there a lot of spillover? Cause you, your, your YouTube channel is your travels. Was there a lot of spillover into the, the date night channel podcast? Um, like for people in terms of like people or like content. Yeah. People topic? like were, were a lot of people that were following you on YouTube for that all of a sudden following you for date night China or 
I mean, because you, you're, you have, I can't remember how many videos you have for your YouTube channel, but it was like, oh my God, <laughs> this lady is, <laughs> wow, that's a lot of content she's what got is going she on. Doing? <laughs> well, it, it, it's, I, I mean, I don't know how some people are able to do this uh, with, by, by creating that much stuff, but, and especially when it's like actual content where, um, you know, you're editing and stuff like that with, with titles. Uh, yeah. which means you have to export it, which means that you have a computer that can do that very quickly, which is great, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I will be honest, a lot of my stuff, when I look back at my earlier videos, I didn't care so much about the highest quality production. I think some of my old videos aren't even in 1080. I think they're like, whatever I got in the moment, and it was just me editing and doing uh, little things. But it's so fun because it's really nice to look back on and for what it was. Um, but to be honest, I don't think... There's been a little bit of crossover in terms of people, you know, following me there and finding Date Night China. Um, but actually, it's not like huge. And it's okay, actually, because I mean, I think, I guess some people are very specialized in thinking about China travel. Um, and other people like, I think as well, they only think Date Night China is for singles. We've had this uh, misconception a lot that we have to kind of push back against now that we've grown and expanded. Um, so I think a lot of people think the name is I'm not single, so it's not for me. Um, so I have to think about how do we actually tell other stories and show people it's not just for singles. Um, but I also just think a lot of people aren't as interested in the topics of dating and relationships from my channels, which is interesting. I kind of thought like for me, I'm like, yeah, tell me everything about dating and relationships. I always want to know that stuff. But I think some people are just kind of like, eh, I'm just here for the travel content. Yeah. I don't want to hear dating stories. Has there, in, speaking of, um, you know, people who are in relationships, they're like, oh, it's a singles podcast, not for me. Have you heard of any people like Chinese? I imagine like the Chinese wife or the, the Chinese husband getting in trouble for being part of this pot, like this group. He's like, what are you in this date group for? You know, yeah. have you heard of any of these stories, like these horror stories, or has it been pretty smooth yeah. sailing? Yeah, there's this guy that I reconnected with at, at a friend's birthday party. We were out like a great leap one night and he he said, oh, yeah, I was in your group like a, a year ago. Um, it's so nice to see you again. You know, I think it's really cool what you guys do. Um, he's like, but I had to leave the group because one day my girlfriend saw I was part of this group called Date Night China. <laughs> and she was like, what is this? And he tried to explain, but it, I, I don't think it went so well. <laughs> So he was like, I just left the group. And I was like, you know what? That was the smart move. Like, don't make it a big thing. Leave the group. It's fine. Like, don't worry about it. But that is that is something that's happened. Yeah. It's like having Tinder on your phone for the language exchange, right? Yes. Yes. I'm just here to meet friends. Yeah. There you are. Yeah. Oh, goodness. There you are. How is your Chinese? Are you are you able to do this podcast in Chinese at all, or uh, is it going to be English? <laughs> okay, that look. Okay, all right. English. No, I mean, gosh, that's that's the the note that I think. Oh, I need my Chinese should be better. So my Chinese like HSK two to three. Oh wow. Okay. I used it a lot more when I was traveling, so it's not good enough for like conversations that to touch on deeper topics. You know, it it wouldn't be enough to actually be conducted in the same to have the deeper level of things just wouldn't be able to do it and to have the fluency and consistency for an episode um yeah so no yeah we've talked about having like branch off and having maybe a chinese host um co-host or a guest host or something to kind of share more voices or share more stories in chinese or something like that but i think we've also thought like 
you know what, what is our niche? Who is our audience? And, and what are we capable of doing um, at right now? So it is in English. How is mm. yours? Uh, well, I just failed the HSK five test this past weekend. Uh, I, I took wow. it, um, but it was horrible and I was warned. Um, and yeah, no, it was horrible. It was terrible. I opened well, good up for the... you for attempting it. <laughs> oh goodness. Thank... Yeah. I was sorely underprepared. I, I mean, I've been very complacent with my Chinese studies as of late. I just so much, like it's yep. such an involved language. You have to read because from it's like reading emojis you're reading every character <laughs> oh snap oh dropped okay there we go there, there we, we go. go sorry about that uh i this is new like zoom had it, it used to give me yeah. more time all the time i guess that's uh maybe because the stock has fallen so much that Oh, maybe. They, they yeah, ours always cuts us off at 40 minutes. That's happened to us before, too. And then you're like, oh, got to restart. Oh, yeah, I didn't realize that was uh, going to happen. Um, the, I just did another interview a couple months ago, and it was it was fine. But um, I guess I don't. You, you probably know better than I do because you use this thing probably far more than I do. Do you have you thought about getting the pro version yet or or no? You still no. have the basics. Yeah. We still have the basic because we, yeah, we don't do Zoom often enough. Actually, like surprisingly for work and stuff, I haven't had to use it much just for that one-off chance that we do interviews with somebody not in Beijing. Um, so we haven't. <laughs> Maybe we should, but yeah. What do you use instead? You Oh, you just do in person, don't you? Yeah, we mostly just do in person. And so that's, you know, never have to worry about that or disconnecting or anything. Yeah. I was thinking of doing that sort of in-house thing, but it's like when I don't know people uh, as well, and it's like it, my studio, it's my apartment, right? It's like, to me, it's, uh, I don't know if I like, feel this safe. this is my space. Yeah. And I'm also not sure if people would feel comfortable coming over and like, then I'd have to clean. I'm not, it's. <laughs> yeah. You're like, oh, no. No. And they don't make bed sheets big enough to cover up all the crap that I got lying all over uh. the place. So. <laughs> So, totally, uh, totally fair. Uh, but we were talking about the uh, Chinese skills uh, and I, how I just failed the HSK five test. Yeah. Um, it was I was warned prior to um, uh, going that I, mean, I was rough. I have actually in a of a, a, a spur of a moment of inspiration, I've started my own language uh, channel it, that was supposed to encourage me to use my Chinese because I. Because of restricted travel um, opportunities, and I don't go out very much, so I don't talk to Chinese people very much. And when I do, it's usually the same conversation over and over again. I figured that one of the things I could do is create videos and just speak them in Chinese. And a couple of my colleagues have seen them, and they're like, dude, your tones suck. They, they're horrible. Um, <laughs> we can understand what you're saying, but your tones like literally could be taken this way or that way. So that's one thing I do have to work on. Um, not just like wow. just the, the, the reading, but it's like the speaking as well. It's, it's horrible, horrible, horrible. But good on you for, for doing that and creating that, even to try and say, well, you know, what? it's progress. I'm doing these videos now. I can keep working on it, see how far I go. And, and good job for attempting this HSK5. So will you try it again? I have to. This is, uh, I am, I, I have to. It's, I, the, I took it because I needed to, first of all, kick myself out of complacency with my language studies. I want to see what my level is. And then I read in one blog post that uh, 
if you want to move your score up by one point, you have to spend two to three hours of study. I'm like, okay, so that gives me like a mathematical equation that I could follow. So if I get, I don't know, uh, for example, like 40 points, uh, out of 300 points, if I score like 170 or 150, so if I get 50%, then if I want to move up another 60 points, I'd have to spend like another hour, mm -hmm. 60 times, what, three hours is 180 hours, right? Which is yeah. six hours per day over however many three months or something like that it's so you can start doing the math wow. of how long yes. you could spend contacting the language and in theory move yourself up so my next ideal date for the test would be in october uh that that would give wow. me enough time to sort of october november doesn't i'm not going to push myself um i was prior to taking this test the one thing that i i wasn't nervous which was a flag to me because if i'm not nervous that means like something's not right uh, number two was that I hadn't started the HSK six books yet. And prior to taking the last test, I'd like, I'd already gone to the next level before taking the test. Uh, so I knew that I maybe hadn't spent as much time as I should have, uh, in preparation, but this ah, good push. Now I see it's it. It's a good, good way yeah. to see where you're at and where you can progress for sure. Now, is, is your partner Chinese? Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, but okay. we are we basically date because she speaks English. <laughs> Do you guys I, practice in Chinese very often? She says things in Chinese, and then I sit there and go, "Wow, my Chinese is terrible." For all the study <laughs> I spend, all the time I spend studying this language, why can't I understand what she's saying? But there's there, one reason is that she does have an accent. Uh, so like she, she uh, speaks with, where's she from? She's from inner Mongolia. It's Ooh, not okay. a, it's not a big accent. It's not like, you know, a Southern drawl compared to like, um, London sort of thing. Um, that's a huge difference, but, uh, the, the way that the words that she uses are not always the words that are taught in the textbook. And right. so there's a difference between like relationship Chinese and like a standard, <laughs> test passing Chinese, which is yes. what I'm studying. So yes, uh, yeah, you're like, this is not helpful to me for the test. All yeah. these slang dialect words. But she uh, I mean, I do. It's not so much I always understand 100% what she's saying. But if I have trouble explaining something in English, I am now able to at least paraphrase it in Chinese and explain a little bit more. So Ooh. that at least that has gone up in the relationship. So I'm able Progress. to explain some things which is helpful in some of the uh, some of these internet interracial relationships i mean yeah need patience a hundred percent how long have you guys been together oh five, six six years something like that wow yeah oh wow you've been together quite a while then yeah. oh my gosh um COVID happened and I did have a job where I was out of the city quite a bit. So it's like we would see each other once a week. So I think altogether, I, I, I don't know if I did the, the complete total number of days that we've seen each other. I, I might've sat down and figured it out at one time just to, for shits and giggles. But I feel it, like you like calculation. Uh, well, it's, it, it helps understand some things, uh, but uh, yeah. I feel like that's the number that I shouldn't have at hand at either it's like oh well we've only seen each other for 362 days total over seven <laughs> years so technically it's a part that had you right uh yeah uh but yeah six years seven years something like that um my big thing has been trying to get her to agree to move overseas and she is a little bit uh because she's mm -hmm. only lived in china she's traveled 
but she's only wow. ever lived in in China before. So, um, and I'm just like, I don't know, let's go backpack the world or something. Yeah, are you something. kind of itching to get out of China soon? Uh, I would also be looking for other jobs. Uh, I, I've been talking about going to the Middle East for quite a bit, uh, but uh, I mean, I see why she doesn't want to leave. Uh, I, I, we haven't talked about your reasons for coming to China, but I mean, I never thought of China as being home. And given the residence permits and stuff like that, the sort of the hoops that you have to jump through to stay here over the long term, um, I don't know if it's a country that I can see myself staying in, not just because of me, but because of the red tape that's uh, in front of it. So, uh, but yeah. we'll see. Uh, we're we're both gainfully employed here, so it's not a big issue right now. We're making money. We're keeping busy. Uh, as long as they don't, I mean, if they went to another lockdown, I, mean, I don't know. Would that change our opinion? Yeah. Good question. I don't know. Yeah, those are the same questions we ask ourselves too, because we're like, well, we're okay now. Like you said, you know, we got a job. We're busy. We've got projects we love doing here. Um, what's going to be kind of our our point to leave China? It's a big question mark right now. Not really sure. Do you do you have an idea? You've been here for seven years, mm, which is the no, same as me. No I guess. idea. <laughs> yeah. So wow. Um, no, I think that's big. I don't know. It's really hard to say because yeah, we've had friends leave recently. You know, big expat exodus. It's like been to so many goodbye parties the last few months. And it makes you wonder like, oh, okay, so they're figuring out plans. Some of them know what they're doing next. Some of them don't. They just know they want to leave China. So it makes you think like, should we know what we want to do next? Because we're so busy doing all the things that we do here and we're not quite ready to leave yet. But we had yeah. friends leave like after Shanghai lockdown and you're like, whoa, well, that's a big thing. That's gonna, you know, kind of be a big sign. Like, okay, it's time to leave China. So we're like, do we wait for that big kind of moment or do you want to feel prepared and plan in advance, maybe leave before you're ready, but leave on a good note. I don't know. We, we think about it, but we don't have a clear answer. I've never been good at making those plans perfect. It's always just been like a stumble. <laughs> it just, okay. I don't, have you seen the movie yeah. Ace Ventura, uh, Pet Detective? Years ago, yeah. Do you remember the, uh, the part where he is in a, a stakeout? He's hiding out in a hippo, uh, hippo costume. And he gets so hot, he has to take no, off all his clothes. I don't. And he, he gets the the view is that the, on the on the uh, camera on the scene, you see him come out the rhinoceros's ass or something like that. And there's this Chinese family watching him, and it's like, oh, the rhinoceros is giving birth. That is how I feel my travel life is. Is like <laughs> I, I'm sort of in like a little bubble, and I just kind of am getting shit out the other side. And it's like, <laughs> People are taking pictures. Oh, look at that. That's kind of funny. Look at that guy. That's <laughs> the best analogy I've ever heard. That's really great. Uh, I did read your article about the expat exodus, and I was just at another going away ah. party yesterday. And uh, I was thinking, like, it is one of these questions where you kind of wonder, and you're talking about how busy you are with all the things. You're very involved, not just, like, in Chinese culture and stuff, but with your own work. And it's one reason I find, like, I don't want to, uproot myself from this and leave because then I'd have to figure out well do I want to keep on doing all this stuff and how do I keep on doing it over there I mean at what point would you think that you have done all you could do in a country because let's face it you did leave your your homeland which at one point you're like okay I'm done here what would what would it take for China do you think yeah I've, I've wondered that as well because I always thought oh once I'm here for 10 years it's 
time to go you know like because I guess like when I was like I guess on year four or five when I moved to Beijing and I met those expats who had been here for 10 years and back <laughs> then you're kind of like 10 years is a long time you had to get a little bit dodgy like well I'm not gonna be that expat but actually I could see that now um because I guess of how you find you know opportunities in China and that's always been one of the best things about China right um and unless all of that changes and gets you know worse with COVID and restrictions and stuff like it kind of has things are a little bit more limited now um but I still have been able to find so many opportunities here that maybe I will be the 10-year expat and I've also have to learn like I'm okay I, I can be okay with that just because it's a number it doesn't mean it's just an arbitrary number it doesn't mean anything it, it depends on where my trajectory is I'm happy with where I'm investing my time my projects my passions am I still excited to be here then that's okay I also feel like since I came to China, so much has changed in my life. You know, I have been here seven years, but I started as a teacher. I lived in Hunan and then I lived in Guangzhou, lived in Beijing. I've switched and had so many, you know, different jobs as well. And I think that it's been a lot of personal growth as well, that I don't feel like I've been stagnant during my time here. I feel like I've had a lot of chances to try lots of things, do different jobs, grow myself professionally, as well as, you know, in all these other different ways. So I still feel like there's room for growth. And even now, like getting involved with Eden China, um, but we've met so many people in the entrepreneur scene um, and seeing how they work. And I was like, that's always been an interesting thing for me as well. So I don't know. I'll still see how it goes while I'm still curious and interested being here. Your travel vlog would be able to be moved, but date night China couldn't be date night China unless you were here. So it sounds like you, you have ingratiated yeah. yourself in the community in that regard. I mean, you're, you're speaking of these opportunities. What else do you see? I am curious. And I'm sure a lot of people would be interested. It's like, first of all, why are you still in China? What are you doing in China, uh, China other than teaching English? And like, what are some of the opportunities that you see over there that aren't available back home, wherever home is? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's like the intersection of, of a few different things because it is like these opportunities, especially for myself working in media, um, having the opportunity, like, you know, with CBCN now, I host travel shows or travel documentaries. I would not be doing that back home. I didn't study to be a broadcaster or a host. I would never have pictured that. I studied media and marketing, though, so I've always loved being on the other side of it. But I think it's kind of pushed me and given me a lot more chances to try different things that I don't think I would have gotten into that position to do. Um, and maybe it's just been the combination of, like, liking China, liking travel and China's culture, and then having an interest in media, it's kind of just intersected to allow me to um, try different things. I've also just met so many interesting people. Um, I don't know about where, where are you from? I'm from Canada, Winnipeg, Canada. Oh, Canada. Okay. Hey, um, <laughs> I'm from <laughs> Texas. So <Okay>. I am. <laughs> Sorry, the typical Canadian joke. You're probably so sick of hearing that. <laughs> I hear it all the time. A, were you yeah, talking a? about A? A, A, yeah. Um, yeah, I think for me, like even coming to China was a big eye-opening experience and the, the chance to interact with people from all over the world. And it, Beijing is such a big international city. Um, and I know in the, the States, we do have that. You know, we've got New York City, Chicago, we do have big cities. Um, but I think sometimes, like we were mentioning, leaving my country, I kind of felt like I've seen a lot of the US. I've spent, you know, 22 years of my life there from that point I was like well I'm ready to see something different and do something different be around different people with different ideas I also grew up in a very you know small town Texas 
very conservative Southern bubble. I went to a Christian university in the States. Like there were so many things that I was just ready for self growth and development and different place. Um, and I think China has just allowed me that. Now you could say you could get that lots of places, of course. Um, there's lots I don't of know. Places. Could you? I, that's a very good question. <laughs> that is a good question. I guess that's the thing I tell myself. There's probably lots of international cities, but I, I do feel like it's just, yeah, the intersection of having that with um, opportunities, with the media, with projects here. Um, there's challenges too, of course, you know, there are those days that you're like, living in China is hard. <laughs> Why am I here? And I, I think that's a, uh, that could happen anywhere, because China's not my first country that I lived in. I've lived in a few. So uh, sadly, over the last 10, 15 years, I've literally lived in a bubble of never really knowing what people are saying. And it's been very liberating in some ways, because I'm like, I don't know, you, I don't know what you're saying, talking about, I, I don't know what I'm talking about in your language. I thought I was saying the right thing. Apparently, I'm not. And, you know, sometimes there's a Chinese saying, there, there, there is no problem if money can solve it. I was like, you know what? And a lot, that sometimes so that's it. <laughs> that is so true, though. Yeah, there is a little bit of a relief sometimes that you're like, well, I can just like tune out for a second. I had friends, you know, who moved and left China this year. And one friend was like, oh, I can understand everybody here. It's so annoying. Yeah, like I feel like the, that's that, that funny reverse culture shock. Yeah. Yeah, and they like have this. The woman on the plane was so loud. And 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 you learn to tune it out, like here in China, because people yeah. are loud on their on their phones and everything. Uh, but uh, you you sort of, if you don't understand what they're saying, you're not as you're you're not dialed in as much. Um, whereas yeah. if you understand, then you 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 kind of catch. It's like, oh, that's interesting. Oh, is that what happened? Yeah. Well, yeah. that's an interesting book. Let me Google that. And then there goes your yes. afternoon, right? Yes. I, I wonder if it happens in Chinese, though, if people, if uh, a lot of Chinese people experience that same sort of, uh, that same sort of experience, whereas like all of a sudden they come back to China after living in the United States for so long and they're like, oh, I can understand everybody. This is yes. so distorting, d disturbing. Like, all of what a sudden. is going on? Like, yeah, yeah. I've also seen some funny things where Chinese people can understand foreigners. I, I don't know. There's like been funny TikToks or Douyin videos with like the Chinese like, who speak English. They're like, there's a table of foreigners nearby. They don't think we can understand them. And it was like, a, they were talking about dating like graphically. And they were like, ooh, I wish I didn't speak English now. Like, <laughs> it's really funny. Uh, and that's what's my goal with Chinese is to be able to be able to dial in like that, sort of have those be able to. Oh, that's the goal. But I don't, I don't know. How much do I need to? listen to that stuff plus a lot of the chinese people are on their cell phones not, you, you have to be dialed into the wechat group it's not on the the talking that's happening at the, uh, at the no everybody's on their phones anyways yeah. yep yeah uh do you think you could be doing what you're doing in china anywhere else in the world like if you went back to the states would you have the same opportunities especially given that you've set yourself up here in china and i mean the skills are transferable maybe date night china <laughs> isn't as transferable but it could be in some ways would you like would would you be going back to your your hometown or would it be somewhere else in the states uh, what do you think um, so as far as the future like this is something nathan my partner and i talk a lot about and he is from england so we've talked about where would we go next what would be the next step and i mean it's still early days still don't know but we've honestly talked about going to another country whether that be somewhere else in asia whether that be Europe or even the UK, 
but at this moment, I don't really see us going back to the United States. And for me, that's kind of been okay. Like even since I moved to China my first two years, I thought I'd love the experience of living in another country again after China. Like yeah. for me, that's just a really exciting thing to have the opportunity to live in another country, do something different. Like I miss my family. I'd, I'd love to go back to the States more frequently for trips home um, and to see them and see family and friends, but I'm also okay not living there. Um, and like you said, the skills that I have with media and what I like to do is transferable. So I've kind of like had faraway thoughts about what would I want to do next? Um, and it would be stuff very similar to Date Night China, honestly. Like what we do with Date Night China is really fun. I love kind of taking on the producer side of things, getting to book guests or interview, tell stories, whether that's like the written articles or podcasting or video. Like I would still love to do that, whether it's for my own brand or whether it's working with a company. So I, I do still think about those kind of things sometimes. Um, we've, we've joked about date night China, like what if it became like date night Bangkok or date night Germany, <laughs> but, I, but like it wouldn't, oh, good it wouldn't luck be with the same. Bangkok. That would be a very yeah, different story. <laughs> we did have somebody reach out to us from Bangkok and they were like, I just moved here from China. If you ever want to do a spinoff, let me know. Cause I think that would be so interesting. Um, but it also like the time and energy to like regrow it in a different way. I don't think it would be the same. Like we've mm -hmm. talked about what would happen if we left China, what would we do with Date Night China? Um, I mean, who knows still what would happen, but I think for us, it'd be, it, that would be a good time to either start a new project, leave that as it was, because it's, it is its own, you know, niche. It, I don't, I wouldn't want to really pick it up and relocate it. Yeah. The, with your travel vlogging, would you ever go back to that instead and focus more on the travel? Like if you were to uproot with your partner to another place or like maybe leave the date night stuff and then go back to traveling as a couple. Cause I've seen several, uh, it was years ago that there was families. Like they started out as a young couple that were traveling backpacking. Then they became a young family. And it was like, they talked about like having babies in South America while backpacking. You're just like, wow. They, a lot of people do. Wow. Incredible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That is really cool to hear about. I have, I have thought about that. Um, I probably would maybe focus on my channels a bit more. Uh, I guess that's another thing though, is I've branded my stuff so much to China, like in Rachel meets China, date night China. So I thought <laughs> even for my personal stuff, do I change my name? Do I need a whole strategy for like switching out of that? Would it confuse people? But I don't want to have that in my name if I would leave. So I've really thought about all of that stuff as well. Um, but I think it'd be really cool to continue exploring because even when I was back in the States, I always you got cut off at uh your rebranding would be a big issue if um oh, you were yes. to uproot from china yes oh that's a big question yes um yeah so i guess yeah that would be the big question is trying to figure out rebranding how i'd want to do that um because i definitely would want to be doing that in the next phase wherever that was because that's what i've always been doing i think i was saying like even when i was younger i had a blog in the states um, and Instagram and all social media channels weren't as big back then, but I was still like wanting to write. I wanted to take photos. So that's always been something I've loved doing. So no matter where I go, I think I'll be doing that. But it's, I'm not sure if it'll be a matter of stuff I currently have or if it'll be new things that I want to have. I think it's always so interesting. Like I feel with Instagram, I'm not on TikTok. And I feel like now to still be in that social media sphere, I feel like I've missed the boat a little bit. I don't really have an interest in in doing that 
And it makes you just like wonder what is the future going to look like? I still enjoy blogging. I like Instagram. And now I'm feeling a bit old, like, oh, am I, do I need to keep up with all these new social media apps? Because that's what everybody else is doing to grow more. Instagram's so hard to grow organically now, the same way that a lot of these other social media platforms are. So like, I guess I'm still thinking about those things as well. I don't yeah, know. You know, well, first of all, the future is NFTs and the metaverse. So if you haven't started your own NFT project yet, like WTF. Oh, uh, I keep hearing that too. I think I missed the boat on that already as well. Uh, well, apparently it's 10 years from like over the going forward. That's going to be the thing. Cause the NFT thing would be like, if you sold your podcast file as an NFT, that would be what it is. It's a digital asset. I, yeah, right. I don't, Somebody I don't, I, I, NFT. I see the idea. Uh, I just don't think much of what is out there right now is worth it. It's just, it's not there. Yeah. Um, I follow this guy, Gary Vaynerchuk. He's from the United States. Uh, he, he's in New York. Uh, and he talks about, and he's banging on about NFTs. Um, he was banging oh, on about. he's a big media guy, isn't he? That's him. Yeah. He was, he was big ahead of on the trend. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and he was big on TikTok. And he's been sort of not talking about TikTok as much because like it got TikTok got slammed by the United States. Like it just basically um, was shut down. India doesn't allow it anymore, I don't think. Yeah. Um, so it got kind of hit with that. But his has been LinkedIn and NFTs. And I respect his opinion because I'm like, I understand the idea of like digital assets and digital contracts going forward. That It's a good idea. Um, it's just how do I create them that something's worthwhile right that would be worth something for people to pay for and they want to hold on to sort of thing or that as a creator, I see right. the idea, but as a collector, I'd be like, I don't need digital stuff. That's on a hard drive that I can lose. I just don't want Yeah, it. I think that I'm, I'm just, I don't know how the application would actually work for most people in their daily life and the incentive of, yeah, like I get the concept, but also <laughs> I don't. <laughs> He's, it's, it's, he has some good videos on it. It's, I guess it's a, an interesting technology. Uh, his, there was two things that he came up with. One was, first of all, it's like a housing deed or housing title. Basically, like, so you, you have the, the, the faith that your housing title is going to be stored in some safety vault or something, right? And you, you trust that it's always going to be there. But with NFTs or crypto, or blockchain, blah, blah, blah that becomes digital in the cloud. So you, don't, you no longer have a fear of losing that your house title or house deed. Mm. The other example he came up with was plane tickets. And this actually made me laugh because I'm like, it actually makes, I could almost see it happen. He talks about how in the future, your plane ticket will be an NFT because the airline will commission an artist to create the ticket. And that ticket for your journey will be a unique art piece, a piece of art mm. that you could then sell for profit and then of course the 10% royalty goes to the artist and I was thinking going that seems kind of dumb but I'm like wait a minute no 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 how many people would buy an airplane ticket from like an old uh collectible from New York to Beijing 1976 I mean mm. how much would you pay for that ticket just mm. why not Maybe that it was a yeah. person on the on uh, was it was it Nixon who came here uh, or even when he Henry yeah. Kissinger visited yeah. right things like that like yeah. having someone from that flight 
or around that time who was in Beijing, would you buy that ticket as a collectible, frame it, put it on your wall? I'm going, mm. it's actually not such a dumb idea. It almost makes okay. sense. Okay. <laughs> okay. I guess I could see how that would be a thing. Yeah. I and guess it's, it's still, I, I still see it as like, you have to have a lot of money though, right? To be, for that to be accessible as an option to you, right? I'm assuming that the NFTs will become a lot more affordable because I don't think they're going to be the exorbitant amounts that people were paying. And I think it's going to be like music and MP3 files where just like the, 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 the amount that you were making became so little. It was just like everyone's yeah. music sort of thing. Uh, I wonder yeah. if that's what's going to happen with NFTs. But it's it's something, uh, if you became a big name, then you could yeah. command a lot for your artwork or your uh, yeah. digital creations and things like that. Okay. So my next step is I need to get invested in NFTs and learn more about them. That's yeah. my new goal. You have to learn how to make them and sell them. That's what it is. Well, I mean, okay. like date night podcasts. I mean, you could sell each one as an NFT, that's, apparently. That's uh, the new thing. Okay. I'm going to get get on that <laughs> I have a new uh, goal. you mentioned opportunities in china uh would you recommend someone to come to china nowadays what um, do you think you know i get questions from people on instagram actually who are like i really want to come back into china it's been difficult or like they left and then couldn't get back in but they really want to come back in or new people who are like I'm moving to China. I'm moving to China with my family. I get these messages still quite a bit. Really? I'm sure it's not as much as it was before, but there are still people who are interested in coming to China, um, which really surprised me. I kind of wondered if, if all this expat and China thing was going to be like really minimal and kind of, uh, yeah, disappearing for a while. But actually there are people still interested in coming to China. Um, and so I, I think it really depends on the industry you're in. Like, I think most of my friends who are, are teachers, like a lot of them who have stayed and are still here now are like, if if things continue this way for another year, I'm leaving. Like a big part of me was coming to China to teach over other countries was the opportunity to travel, like these benefits of having freedom and seeing the country and new culture. And if I can't even leave my city or I might be in my apartment, but it kind of takes away some of those advantages of why I wanted to come to China to teach. Um, but it depends if you're in other industries and what if you're still a teacher and you're, you're willing to, um, to chance that, like, and who knows, maybe things will get better. Quarantine has gone down a bit. Um, but I think other people in other industries have, have mentioned that they still want to come to China. And so I guess I would just, uh, say carefully do your research. And what industry do you see as being a good one for people? If they were interested in coming to China, what what would, would you tell them? English, teaching English is still a viable option. I've been recommending AI and robotics, but that's because I, I see a lot yeah. of that happening in China. Yeah, that's true. AI. I, I think um, in the media and tech or media and uh, education intersect, I see so many live streaming TikTok. Uh, teaching AI platforms that really want to hire foreigners. So if you have like media presence and you also are interested in, in teaching or some of them are just for other kinds of projects, not even teaching English for kids, but other kind of things. I, I think that is pretty big right now. Um, but some people aren't interested in doing that specifically. Um, so I guess that's something I see a lot more. A it really, and it's exhausting. A lot of them want you to like live stream and sell like a necklace for like three hours nonstop on a live stream. And sometimes you think, oh, I could just like sit there and talk, but it's three hours nonstop of doing that. So 
I would really think about that before doing it, but the money seems okay. Well, if they took care of the internet connection and I didn't have to deal with the editing, I might be willing to do that. I mean, three there hours. There you go. Of... Maybe this is the new path for you. <laughs> I don't. I have been offered once to do it in Chinese. I was asked if I could do because I was. They wanted a foreign face but speaking Chinese, and I was like, Really? And I was, but then they. <laughs> then he's like, well, we'll have an interview tomorrow. And I'm like, uh, like inter spoken interview. He's like, yes. I'm like, oh, <laughs> no. And this was a, this was last year when I still wasn't very comfortable with my Chinese speaking. Um, now it's a little bit different. But yeah, I, I can see it. There's there are a couple foreigners who are on Douyin and they they make pretty good videos. And but their Chinese is fantastic. Yeah. It's oh my gosh, yes. If you're a foreigner whose Chinese is really good, I've got friends who've got who've got like brand deals. They can get so much money for appearances and for collaborations. Like if you can speak Chinese, oh my gosh, so many doors are open for you here. Does that make you want to improve your Chinese or you're like good with the English? <laughs> it should, right? Like last year when I met somebody, I met this girl who was a student at like, uh, I don't know, Tsinghua or something. And she was like, yeah, I just studied Chinese. And now like I got connected with a, a partner who, who runs my channels and I speak Chinese in them. And she makes bank. And I was like, for real? <laughs> so almost for a second, I was like, okay, I need to double down on my Chinese. I need to get like a brand manager to help me out. But it becomes like a whole thing, right? Like you have to have somebody because you have to switch your account over to business model and you have to get somebody to help you work out your brands. And, um, or I guess you could do it all by yourself. So I thought about that. But to be honest, like, I'm, I'm almost even burned out sometimes on doing the influencer thing. It can be really exciting and so cool and there can be really cool opportunities depending on what you're looking for. But even when I was doing, you know, recently China and I did brand collaborations and things, it can be exhausting. You're doing everything for yourself. You have to be on it all the time. You are the one creating that content and it has to be very consistent and you have to just be, that has to be what you want to do. And I realized like, that's not always what I want to do. I really enjoy doing other things. And if I have to totally go all in on this one thing, yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> Let alone, I mean, because if you got to learn Chinese, like I, one of the reasons, like I've just became complacent is just I'm like, it's just every day. It sucked up my life. I mean, and it's it's not like um, yeah. where you can see the progress. It's like I'm literally reading the textbook and going, don't get it, don't get it. Try the <laughs> practice test, failed. And you're like, what was I doing for the last three months? I mean is nothing happening up there yes. at least if you're an influence, <laughs> yeah it's it's failing like zoom is right now but uh with with the influencer stuff at least you have the videos up there you got the podcast like look at i mean even if i was hung over or i hated yes. that day the video was done yes. it's over but with you can see the the material <laughs> substantial thing that has come from your work yeah, yeah, I could see that would be a big challenge. Language study is just like, ah, oh, it's so defeating at times, but I don't yeah. know. But hats off for doing that and hats off to everybody else for doing that. That is, I mean, that is the biggest thing. If I had known I would be here this long, I feel like everybody says that, like doubling down at the beginning to say, well, you didn't know. I didn't know. Like, mm, here we yeah. are. Well, I didn't want to be that foreigner, especially that guy foreigner who that... that... <laughs> the man who's been in the country for so long and doesn't know the language. I'm like, I refuse to be that. I have to at least try to learn this language. And so now it's just become like almost an addiction where, and it's one of the reasons I'm still here is because I'm like, I can't leave without, like I've gotten so far. I'm like, I, I can't yeah. stop now. If you like, yeah, I have to right. actually have a, have to 
have a conversation in this language at some point. Right. Uh, You're like, I've come this far already. That's a really good point as well. Do you feel like guys get more pressure from that point of view of being that the, the you uh, know, expat man coming to China? It's stereotypical. Uh, very stereotypical. I think actually it's it's sometimes plays to your advantage not to know Chinese because you don't want to know what your girlfriend is saying about you uh, or the in-laws. Um, you, sometimes you don't want to hear that. Because um, even my girlfriend dealing with the repair people, like they just talk to each other and I'm like, I understand what you're saying. You know, The white guy can actually figure yeah. out what you're saying. So, I mean, I can say yeah. the few words that I need. I see what needs to happen. I mean, she has no idea what that needs to happen in terms of fixing what's going on here. So, um, but I think one of the, the funniest quotes I've heard lately from a colleague was that he tried to start studying Chinese. He's like, okay, this time I'm going to do it. That's it. And I see him the next time. I'm like, so how's the Chinese? He's like, yeah, you know, no wife looked at me and she's like, you've been in the country for 13 years and you think you're going to learn now. Oh my oh, God. And it's your own wife. Yeah, You're it's like, like no oh, faith. You have no snap. faith. Snap. <laughs> well, yeah, she's not supporting you. But I guess, I mean, if you spend, if he spends an hour or two hours trying to learn Chinese, he's not taking care of the kid, right? So, I mean, right. And yeah, <laughs> and that's an important thing as well. Time and priorities. How are? How do you balance that? Like, gosh. Yeah. Uh, I've noticed, actually, speaking of being always on with your influencing and your YouTube, and uh, I know we're uh, getting short on time here, um, you did mention about always being on. That's one thing about your travel videos. You're always smiling. I mean, <laughs> I, you can't be faking this. You must love being able to uh, be out there traveling, uh, meeting the people, and making these videos. I mean, how do you do it? What's your motivation? How do you maintain yeah. such a, a, a happy personality? Uh <laughs> I mean, I guess part of that is my personality, even when I'm not traveling or even before I came to China, I've always just had a pretty, I don't know, sunny demeanor. I don't know. I, I really just enjoy the curiosity and the exploring. And, and when I finally had a chance to do that, it was pretty exciting. You know, like coming from the States, we don't have high speed trains. We have bad public transportation. You needed so much to even be able to access traveling um, that I think it was just really exciting to have this freedom and the, the know-how that I could do this all by myself. Um, I love solo traveling. It was kind of my own independent way to, to do things for myself, see things and have my own experience and go where I want, when I want. Um, and so I think that's a big part of it. It's just like that joy and, and your own self-reliance and independence. Um, and yeah, I don't, I miss traveling so much now. I haven't left Beijing in, I don't know, eight or nine months. And I yeah. just really miss that. I'm telling Nathan a lot. I'm like, I'm just itching to travel because it is that like that change of pace from your normal day-to-day -day routine and getting out, doing something different. Like your mind is in different thought patterns as well. You're not thinking, oh, I've got to go here. I've got to do work. I've got to do this. You're, you're kind of thinking, where am I going to, where am I going to eat next? I've got to find a restaurant or, you know, how am I going to get navigate this mountain? You know, your mind is just in these different thought patterns that I think is really exciting and really healthy as well. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's really good for my mental health. Um, yeah, so I, I kind of, I really miss that. I really, really miss that. Where are you planning on going? You said end of August or end of the year that you're going to start uh, end of again? End of August. Yeah, okay. so that will be for a work trip. Um, and that will be, actually, I'm not sure yet. So right now, the details are not quite clear. That's one of those things like traveling for work as well versus traveling by myself is very, very different. Um you know, when I travel by myself, like getting to plan my own itinerary, my own destination, timing, research, all of that is really fun. I enjoy doing all of that. 
um, versus when you travel with a company or traveling for a collaboration or a brand, you, you kind of have way less control. You're kind of within those structures. It's still really fun and it can be really enjoyable, but it's a very, very different experience. So yeah. not sure where I'll go, but we'll see. I kind of liked it uh, for the first couple of years. We did a lot of traveling, like a lot of business trips and stuff. Work trips, but not business. We, I had no negotiations. I was told what to say. I basically, I had, it's yes. a work trip. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah. Uh, and well, where did you work at? Uh, I work for a language con consultant company. A company, uh, and so we like okay. deal with different language levels and stuff like that. Most primarily English, and but they set up everything. I thought that was just great. All I had to do was just show up and be like, hi. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. What's your name? How are these? Blah, blah, blah. We had everything laid yeah. out. It was great. Um, I contrast that to my years of backpacking. I'm like, I want to hire somebody to do the planning for me. I mean, <laughs> how much would it cost to have someone do it for me? Uh, yeah. But I mean, because my backpacking style is like, it contract. my girlfriend would plan everything before. She like, she would plan a lot of stuff. Me, I was just like, I was going to head to the train station and buy a ticket. She's like, you can't yeah, do you're that. Like, That's it. I'm like, well, why not? We just have to get in Beijing. It's the most busy hub. Once you're on the train, you just take the next stop. I mean, right? And she's figure like, figure it what? out. No, can't do that. We need to know what hotel we're staying in, what time we're getting in, and this, then that. And I'm just like, ah, oh, that's very different style of travel. <laughs> that's your girlfriend sounds like me. I like to know all of that stuff in advance and have fun planning it. Whereas, like, it's nice, like Nathan, my partner, or other friends I've traveled with, are like. I don't want to do any of that. Yeah. Very like, we'll just figure it out. So it can be complimentary then. At least the two of you aren't butting heads about who's who's getting to choose what, where you're going to go. Well, we do butt heads because I'm like, what do you mean you haven't planned the day? What are we going to do all day? If I'm not giving a, yeah. if I'm with someone who seems to have everything planned and there's no plan, I'm like, well, then I'm just going to go start oh, drinking yeah. it. <laughs> like I'll be at yeah, the bar. That's the default. <laughs> like, you know where to find me. Well, I also start wandering. Like, I don't know how much of your travels were just wandering. Like, I would just leave the hotel and just start going. Uh, I mean, I always made sure I had enough money for, like, a taxi back to the center. And then... Yeah. But leaving the hotel or the hostel, it was just, like, just go. Or I would talk to the people Exploring. at the hostel. Yeah, it was never sort of like, well, we have to be at the museum at 9.30 or anything. I, If we get to the museum, great. If we don't... If not, you know. great. <laughs> We can yeah. do something else instead. So it was a lot more about the process and the the adventure, the joy, the yeah, journey, rather than it. getting to the uh, like the picture perfect Instagram. What's the other one? Do yeah. WeChat moments, sort of. <laughs> yeah, that's a very pure form of that, though. You're like, I'm just gonna see what I want to see. I feel like I did a lot of that when I traveled, like in Southeast Asia. It was like in Vietnam or or Thailand or something, and you're just like, I'm just gonna see what I'm gonna see. I feel like with China, I have gotten more into like, well, I've seen when when shit goes down or if I miss this bus at this thing at this other time, if I'm trying to get to this remote village and if I don't do this, then like, damn. <laughs> <laughs> Should have thought that one through a little bit more. Whoops. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Uh, so we talked about uh, people coming to China. What about if, uh, since you meet a lot of Chinese uh, people, international folks, what if they said... I want to move to the United States. What would you say? Um, I do actually have people who do that. And actually one of my friends from China just moved to the States. I mean, she's going to study there, but I do have other friends who, who want to go and who want to study as well or are looking for travel and doing stuff. Um, I mean, I guess for me, I feel like 
that's great. I'm glad you want to have an open experience in a different country. You know, I guess I don't feel a way about them going to China. That's right. why it like, or going to the States, I guess it's like how I hope people would respond when I told them I was going to China. You know, you get some people who are like, why China or, oh, like, why would you want to go there? Um, and I'm just glad people were positive or mostly positive to my face for me. Um, <laughs> so I guess, you know, I guess that's just how I would feel for them it, as long as they're, you know, being aware and their research and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Which city would you recommend if, uh, like, if they were sort of a little bit more open? Like, because so, a lot of people, when they come to China, they're like, ah, oh, well, Beijing, Shanghai, or like, could it be somewhere else? Like, where would you recommend for someone to go to in the mm. States if they didn't really, if they weren't settled on which place just yet? Yeah. Ooh, that's a good question. So at my university, I went to actually school, I went to school in Arkansas and there was a big group of Chinese students who would study in Arkansas there. And it was rough because many of them had came from Guangzhou or bigger cities, lots of transportation. Okay. And you get out into the middle of nowhere and you're like, you need a car to drive everywhere. There's not many restaurants or international cuisines. Like I, my poor Chinese friends who lived in Arkansas were just like, what do we do? You know, it, so for that kind of perspective, and even for my own perspective, if I did go back to the States, I wouldn't want to live in a really small remote area. I love Beijing. I love a bigger city. It doesn't need to be as big as Beijing. Not that there's anything like that in the States, but I would pick um, Denver. I love Denver. I love Colorado. It's a great like kind of urban city and you're also close to the mountains. So that's one of my top picks. Um, Nashville is actually pretty cool. Okay. Uh, it's also urban. It's got some public transportation. You're kind of close to the East Coast stuff. Um, yeah, or Charlotte. My sister lives in Charlotte, and that actually has a nice, like, wow. Charlotte, North Carolina. Oh, okay. Yeah, because Good. that also has a more urban. I wouldn't have thought about that before, but my sister loves it. It's very urban, and you're also close to the beach and the mountains. So I guess it really depends. What are you looking to do? What do you want to be around? Yeah, well, I've heard so Austin. Me, Austin, Texas was sort of like the, the name that is being dropped all over the place these days. Not Los Angeles true. and not New York. <laughs> yes, no. And everybody's moving from California to Texas and Austin now. Uh, yeah. Austin is really cool. Austin is cool. I've never been farther south. Is Green Bay farther south than Chicago? Or what's what's further south? Um we used to do road trips, and we went south into Chicago, Green Bay. We did it all in one trip. I can't remember which which is where, but like I, I went to Orlando, but we flew there. I've wow. never done any car travels oh. around the southern parts of the states. I want wow. to go there, but I'll tell you, of all the news and everything, and of what I hear about the southern United States, I'm like, would I be taking my Chinese girlfriend on that road trip? It would it be proper? Would it be safe? Would it be okay? That is that would, would be, be my big yeah. question. Would it be a stressful trip or an enjoyable one? Yeah, yeah. I, I, but I would love to. I would love great. to drive drive that whole length, like from Los Angeles right across to Florida. I just see yeah. it because I think that part of the yeah. states is just so charismatic in its own way. Yes, it is. It is. I've always wanted to do that as well. Like I've driven from Texas to Florida. Um, to be honest, it's not a <laughs> not a whole lot to see. I would love to do it the other way and go like Texas. California, Grand Canyon, you know, national parks, there's desert as well. It is, I do miss the United States for the landscape. There's a lot of beautiful places. National parks are amazing there. Right. Yeah. The, uh, uh, we used to do those, uh, car trips and we, we were like a parents and I would just go down there, uh, me and my brother, whatever. And, um, 
yeah, it was great seeing these like uh, Mount Rushmore. I thought was very cool. I know people have some issues with wow. it now, but I'm like, I've never been. Yeah, that that and the the is it the Black Hills, the Rolling Hills, Black Hills, and I, yeah. I'm not sure if we went to the Grand Canyon. I don't think so, but uh, wow, yeah, it was one of those things where it's like. That's Cool, though people talk about this it's kind of neat to look yeah at and it's kind of cool and you're like oh i'm seeing it with my own eyes not yeah. just a picture in a book that's still a really cool experience especially when you're a kid it's cool uh, uh well yeah when we were it was, I was late 20s late teens already early 20s ah, but, uh, but so still good cool. enough i mean because those those are good trips uh like when i see families here yeah. uh with the, the the kids and everything getting into a car and going i'm like you enjoy that Kids behave. That's a good one. I mean, just, yes, you're exactly. going to enjoy this. You're gonna look, look back at this road trip. And you're going to be like, those were good times. Fond memories. Yeah, 100%. Oh, I miss road trips. I really, yeah, I do miss road trips. Do you drive in China? No. <laughs> do you? I thought about getting the uh, driver's license because I was like, if I'm since I'm still here and since I'm learning Chinese, I should, you know, get a Car. this is the next thing it should because then you can you're not beholden to the trains the planes and all that stuff and the security the of yeah. all that stuff that's what i didn't want but i've seen so many horror stories of cars getting squished by semis i'm like ah, you know maybe Whoa. the high speed train is just or you know we'll take the <laughs> the, the, the pw like the, the green trains we'll take that and yes uh, yeah that'll be enough excitement yeah oh he'll be <laughs> A full sensory experience on those trains. Everything. Sure. Yes, 100%. I guess it'd be cool, though, if you could get a car. Like, I had a friend who went to Qinghai, like, last week, and driving around the lake in western yes. China. Oh, yeah. looks amazing. Looks amazing. So you could, love to do that. You could do the long distance by uh, public transport and then rent a car wherever you need to go. Yeah. I, I was actually yeah. trying to convince my girlfriend, like, wouldn't it be kind of cool if we drove from Beijing down to Guangzhou? I mean... It'd be kind of neat because wow. they, it's not talked about a lot. I know people do it. Uh, like there is a, a, a inter, intra, inter Chinese travel car like route. Cause kind of like the States has routes that you would follow. If you want to have car routes, like this car journey, that car journey and hiking, stuff like that. Yeah. China has it too, but I'm not sure if it's as accessible in English as it is in Chinese. You'd have to know where uh... you're going, who to talk to sort of thing what um, to do but... exactly that's cool though that would be a really interesting experience yeah yeah You'd i've only done like i've done the high speed train from like Guangzhou to beijing eight yeah. hours one day it's pretty cool but driving yeah. would be nice it would be a very different experience uh you want to make sure you have insurance as well i don't those i don't do you watch cctv 13 at all i call it the uh the no. uh, was it the horror channel and it's just accident after accident after accident i'm just like this does not encourage me to go driving in china at yeah all. Now you're Na afraid. God. Navigating Beijing streets is bad enough. Forget, you know, That's driving. That's what freaks me out. That's what freaks me out, man. And I'm kind of a cautious driver. I don't think I'd do well here. Like, I'd be too cautious and I would cause the accident. Like, oh. that would be the problem. Yeah. Uh, so you I might get to, away I with it, though, because to... you're a foreigner. They'd be like, ah, it's just a foreigner. They don't know the rules. They don't know what they're doing. <laughs> Yeah, the very scary reality, actually, of driving in China. I don't know when you got your license in the States, probably 16, 15. I was, a bit, I was a bit older, actually, 18. Okay, okay. by three years. Um, yeah. But contrast that with most Chinese people. They all just started driving within the last 10 years. I mean, I've been driving since I was 15, 15 and a half. Uh, and I, like my cousins who grew up on the farm earlier than that, it, wow. that that thought of like the a lot of these people have not been driving a lot 
kind of explains a lot why the traffic is so crazy sometimes. But yes. then again, yes. I haven't been driving in Beijing. I've never driven in a city like Beijing. So who's the rookie, right? Yeah. <laughs> Near them or both, you know, just both. So that's so true. I didn't think about that. We do start driving usually much earlier in the States or in the West. Yeah. Wow. All right. Uh, well, we uh, we are running short of time here, but um, so you are all over the place now. Where can people find you if they want to see what you're up to and what you're what you have to say? Yeah, if you are uh, looking for Rachel Meach China, I'm on Instagram, I'm on Twitter, uh, and YouTube. Not as active there. Definitely recommend Instagram. If you're kind of looking at daily life and China stuff and travel, that's definitely where I do all of that. Uh, but you can also find Date Night China on the same platforms, Instagram, Twitter, uh, podcast is found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube. Um, and we also have a WeChat account if you're on WeChat. So you can follow and see more of our articles and updates there. Wow. Do you, do you have a personal website as well? Or is it the Date Night China website? Uh, so I, I like for myself, I do have a personal website, rachelmeetschina.com. Uh, Date Night China has a website but it's a work in progress right now. It is active, but it is a work in progress. <laughs> so it's functional. It's functional. it's functional. It works. The, uh, yeah. yes. And I encourage people to actually have a listen to uh, some of your podcasts. They, they are, it's eye opening actually to hear these voices, you know, expat and uh, Chinese voices talking about dating, which is a topic that's not talked about very much here in China at all. It's like one of those hush hush things that boys and girls whisper about sort of thing. So it's great that you're, yes. you're doing something that's usable. Uh, that's practical for people. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been really nice talking.